0: You to bow your heads as we go to God, the living God, and beg that He continue His presence in this church this morning. Let's pray. Lord God of the heavens, this is a topic of enormous importance. It's one, Lord, that you know is not easy. It's not easy for us to study it, it's even more difficult to preach it. And yet, Lord, we come here this morning into this church seeking to know You more. Seeking the blessing of your presence You've been here in our music You've been here in our worship Now God I pray you will stay here I pray in Jesus name that you'll stay here in our study All glory, honor Be attributed to you and no other In the name of Jesus, Amen This here is the rational response squad Most of you probably have never heard of the rational response squad I'm interested this morning in a, in a show of hands How many of you have come across Have heard of the rational response squad Very, very few Well let me fill you in with who the rational response squad is Because they are having a major impact On the thinking of secular man in the western world The rational response squad is a group of people Mostly young people who are atheists. And what has separated the rational response squad from the many other atheist groups out there in our culture, in our society, is what they have done in the last couple of months. They posted on a video website called YouTube. Many of you will know about YouTube. YouTube, you can take a video and you can post it on this site and the whole world can see it. And what the Rational Response Squad did, which is different than anything that has ever been done on YouTube before, is they posted a video with a challenge on it. And here is the challenge And I know that this will offend some of you As it has offended me But when we look at this subject We've got got to allow ourselves to be offended So that we can come up with biblical answers To combat this heresy That is being shared with our world Now what the Rational Response Squad did Was they posted this challenge And this is what they asked people to do Thank you. I was a Christian. Through basic observation of the world around me and logical thinking, I've come to the conclusion that alongside the fact that there is no Santa Claus and there is no Easter Bunny, there is also no God. So without further ado, my name's Chandler and I deny the existence of the Holy Spirit. I deny God, Jesus, and the, Spirit. the Holy Spirit. I deny the Holy Spirit. deny The Rational Response Squad wants you to make a short video declaring your independence from the Stone Age. Shoot your video and upload it to YouTube, and we'll send you a free copy of the hit documentary, The God Who Wasn't There, on DVD. Twenty-four ninety-eight, but it's yours free when you make and upload your video. If you already own a copy of The God Who Wasn't There, remember, it makes a great gift. Find out more at BlasphemyChallenge.com I deny the Holy Spirit, and I'm not afraid. I think the thing that surprised me as I came across this on YouTube was the enormous response the Rational Response Squad got from our secular society. Hundreds, and that would be, that that would be minimising it. No, thousands and thousands of people all over the world posted their blasphemous response on the internet as a response to what the Rational Response Squad had challenged them to do. And you can go onto the YouTube yourself and you can see this for yourself. And I want to tell you that as a Christian, it's very, it's very difficult not to be hostile to what you see. It was very difficult for me not to get angry. But I recognise as a Christian that getting, being hostile to people, getting angry with people proves nothing. We have to look at what they're saying and have a look at what the Bible says and see if we can tell the world our side of the story of God. This blasphemy challenge it went so far, it gathered such momentum that it even managed to get onto America's premier one of America's premier news programs called Nightline. And there the Rational Response Squad debated a Christian group of two ministers, Kirk Cameron, who used to be a a, a movie star and he's become a Christian. And a New Zealander by the name of Ray Comfort And I watched that program online And I've got to tell you, I think the Rational Response Squad Probably, unfortunately, won the argument It seems to me like the atheist movement Is gathering pace all over the world As I was preparing this sermon over the last month I came across an article in The Australian Which is one of our nationally syndicated newspapers and this article had some interesting things about the influence of atheism on our world. It said, and this was, re- this was reporting on the latest census that has just come out. It said that since 1981, the percentage of Australians who believed in God has dropped from 88 to 79%. Now, now that might mean not a lot to you, but follow me here. In the last 20 years, from 1980, to 2000, the last 20 years of the 20th century Believers in God, in our culture, dropped 5% Well you might say that's not a big drop But it is a big drop when you look at the raw numbers Because that 5% represents 1 million people in 20 years Who used to believe in God, who used to believe he exists Who now believe he doesn't But the news for Christians gets worse because in the first five years of the 21st century, from 2000 to 2004, the first five years of this century, a further 800,000 or 4% of the population have joined these non-believers, 8 100,000 in the first few years of this century in Australia Say that they now no longer believe in a real God Godlessness, the article says Godlessness is on the up and up And the newspaper says it is gathering momentum That ought to alarm any thinking, believing, Bible-believing Christian And it concludes this article by saying And this is what alarmed me the most Nowhere is this godlessness more evident than in our youth Now if that doesn't concern you as a Christian this morning Then nothing will We also have when it comes to atheism the proliferation Of books espousing that there is no God All through our culture This man Richard Dawkins Some of you may have heard of him Born in 1941 in Nairobi, Kenya. Moved as a boy with his parents to England at a very young age. He is now a professor of zoology at Oxford University. He is a, a very famous, famous atheist and perhaps he is the most famous atheist in all the world And just recently he's written a best-selling book called The God Delusion And this book is sweeping like a fire through, through news agents And out into the hands of people They read it and they are convicted that there is no God This movement is often on the up and up You may have heard of Christopher Hitchens He's a journalist and writes for such famous magazines and newspapers As the New York Times He wrote a book recently called God is not great How religion poisons everything And Christopher Hitchens is on radio He's on television He's writing articles Anybody who will listen to him And the world is listening to him Anybody who will listen to him Are hearing the message of a anti God atheist, God is dead. He does not exist. Do not take any notice of what the Christians are saying, because what they are preaching and what Islam is preaching and what every major religion in the world is preaching is discord, is war, is bloodshed, and to, a, if we're going to be honest, they may have a point. They may have a point. Atheism. Together with evolution, they are brothers in arms, is even starting to creep into the Christian church. And this is the truth. The Pope calls evolution more than just a theory. Anglican and Catholics accept evolution. Creationism, and this is a now, this is a statement from Reverend Arthur Peacock, one of the premier Anglican bishops in England. He says, creationism is bad religion. And false science It is gathering momentum in our culture And many of the people, young people y- You go to school with, students Many of those people you work with You will find are increasingly leaning towards atheism And I believe as Christians we need to confront Atheism in our own lives first And come to a conclusion, to a satisfied conclusion in our own hearts and minds on the God we serve. I wonder today, for just a few minutes, I wonder what is it that fuels atheism in our culture? How is it that ordinary people become so hostile to the concept of God? And you know, when I was watching YouTube, Video after video after video. These people weren't just cursing God. They weren't just cursing the Holy Spirit. They weren't just denying him. They were hostile. They were angry. They were aggressive. And unfortunately, some of the Christians who were reading and watching these YouTube DV videos, they would, they would write back, and it seemed to me that they were almost as angry as those who were attacking the God that we serve. What is it that fuels this anger? What is it that is fueling atheism in Western culture today? I want to give you what I believe are the primary charges of atheism against Christianity. Firstly, atheism claims that God, if he does exist, which he doesn't, now that's an oxymoron, but this is what they claim, God is violent. How can a God who loves man The God that you claim loves you. How can he come and wipe out the human race in a flood? Or how can a God who loves people, how can a God who loves people say, oh, if you don't follow me, you're going to spend eternity in hell? This is what atheists are saying. Or how can a God who loves human beings like you keep trying to preach you, Christians? How can a God... Who loves human beings Come the second time And wipe every single person out on the planet If they don't love him And they don't follow him What sort of God is that they say What sort of freedom is that These are, these are challenging questions For Christians Or well, how can a God how can a God who claims, and that's always, how can a God who claims to love, how can a God who claims to love destroy 185,000 Assyrian soldiers Camped outside Hezekiah's Jerusalem Go to the Old Testament, the atheists say Read your own book, they, cl- they challenge us Look at your God as he strides through the pages of the Old Testament Killing human beings, murdering And this is their words, murdering human beings by the thousands How can you claim that God is a just God? How can you claim that is a God we should follow? Very challenging And it goes on and on and Hon. How can you claim that your God is a God of love When in, in the Bible your book destroys two large cities Sodom and Gomorrah God is violent That is their first accusation Their second accusation And by the way this is not what I believe I'm sharing with you what they believe And what they are saying And I'll share with you this morning what the Bible says Secondly they say God is a murderer Who breaks his own commandments What is wrong with you Christians they say You believe in the Ten Commandments Oh it's interesting isn't it How the Christian world claims to believe in the Ten Commandments I often wonder what happened to the Sabbath But they'll say you believe in the Ten Commandments You preach the Ten Commandments The Sixth Commandment is what Thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not murder And yet the God who gives you that commandment, breaks his own law. Very challenging. In fact, they say, and they these points move on one to the other, they say, even if God exists, this is what they say, I would not want to serve this homicidal, genocidal, mad deity. This girl's called Kelly M. I'm talking to this girl on the internet. She's one of the core group members. There's only a couple of them from the Rational Response Squad. She's a core member. I saw her in the debate. You can go and watch the debate online. Just just put in Google Nightline. It'll take you to it. And here is Kelly M in this debate with Christians. And at the end, and you could see the frustration and you could see the anger in her eyes. She looks across at these two Christian pastors And she said even if your God does exist I wouldn't serve him because he's a murderer And he's a killer And I'd rather go to hell anyway And fourthly the charge that Atheists bring against Christians And there are others of course But these are the main four that I was able to Find in my research Evolution is a much more powerful position Than the theory of creation what are we going to do with these charges? I wonder if you, as you sit here in this church this morning How do you combat these charges from your friends From students you go to uni or school with From people you work with You must be starting to come across them yourself What do you say? Well let's have a look at these primary charges against Christianity The first one is God violent? What's your answer? Very quiet in the church this morning. Either it's too cold and you've gone to sleep. Is God violent? Subsequently, is God a murderer who breaks his own commandments? Let's have a look. Genesis chapter 19 verse 29 is God violent. This is talking Sodom and Gomorrah. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain of Sodom and Gomorrah, go to Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 3. These are the Israelites who, who 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 worship Baal when they're supposed to be worshiping God. And Deuteronomy 4 verse 3 says, You saw for your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who follows Baal or Peor. Is God violent? You're talking thousands of deaths here in the Old Testament Is God violent Genesis chapter 6 Genesis chapter 6 verse 7 So the Lord said I will wipe mankind Whom I have created from the face of the earth Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground And birds of the air For I am grieved that I have made them I will wipe mankind Whom I have created from the face Of the earth Men and animals Is God violent I hope because I am, I do, I did I hope you're feeling some discomfort this morning We're going this morning places where Christians rarely go And if you go there, you better you better be able to get out of there To climb out of there with what the Bible has to say It goes on, 2 Kings 19 verse 35 This is Hezekiah He's been surrounded by Sennacherib, the Assyrian king 185,000 soldiers, we've mentioned it but what does the Bible say, 2 Kings 19, verse 35? That night the angel of the Lord, who's the angel of the Lord? Who is it? It's Jesus Christ. That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death hundred and eighty-five thousand men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all dead bodies. Second Kings 19, 35. And you know what? The rational response squad. Atheists, Any of them who bother to spend some time in the Bible They are flashing story after story Illustration after illustration Up in our faces Accusing God of being violent More than that Accusing God of being a murderer And we have to be able to confront this And give an answer that makes sense And the answer, believe me If you're a Christian Has got to come from the Bible Because their accusations are coming from the Bible And you might say Well they're misreading God They're misquoting God Well maybe, maybe not The fact are these stories are here And God claims responsibility for having taken all these lives Well let's have a look At what I believe is the answer to this question Is God violent? Subsequently is God a murderer who breaks his own commandments? There is, let's face it There is an element of God's character That takes away the life of human beings Sometimes in very large numbers Let's not avoid that this morning Let's face that truth as we sit in this church It's what the Bible says It's what God says about himself There is an element of God's character That takes away the life of human beings Sometimes in very large numbers Uncomfortable, yes Cause you some discomfort, it does me But it's fact However It does not mean that God is a murderer or even worse a mass murderer What do I mean? Well I just want to share with you for a few moments I want to take you on this adventure that I have been on in the last month or two As I've been preparing this sermon I've prayed a lot over this sermon I've asked the Lord to make this clear Because the questions that we have put up this morning are important I don't want you to leave this church until you've got satisfaction yourself The Cambridge International Dictionary I thought I'd go and I'd find out what the dictionary says a murderer and a mass murderer is You can look up the Cambridge International Dictionary for yourself when you get home This is what it says a murderer is A murderer is someone who illegally and intentionally kills another person That makes sense, doesn't it? A mass murderer, someone who has killed a large number of people Illegally, that's what the dictionary says murder is Now they are accusing God of being a murderer This is my statement and I intend to back it up from the scripture It is wrong to murder someone Because you are illegally taking away someone's life, a life that is not yours, a life that does not belong to you. In a sense, murder is the ultimate thing you can rob somebody of, is to rob them of their life. It's murder. In essence, when you murder someone, you are stealing another person's life. So is God violent and subsequently a murderer? Well, let's let the Bible answer that. Let's go to Genesis. If you've got your Bibles, follow in with me. Don't just rely on the screen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We can go back right to the beginning of the world. And the Lord God... Now, this is what the Bible says about this important question. Is God violent? Is God a murderer? And the Lord God formed man. Who made man? God did. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. You can imagine as he as he shapes Adam out of clay. And I can imagine Adam just lay there on the ground As a lump of dead clay But look what the Bible says happened And God breathed into his nostrils The breath of life And man became a living soul So here's this man Adam There's no life in him God has formed him God has shaped him And then God bends over And breathes into his nostrils And he begins to live This thing that causes you and I human beings to live Is called the breath of life And it comes from God Stay with me Let's now go to Job chapter 34 Because we're building here an argument against this accusation That God is violent that he is a murderer Job chapter 34 verse 13 and 15 This is Job speaking and he says Who appointed God over the earth? Who put him in charge of the world? If it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, if God withdrew the breath of life that he has given to each of you, the Bible says all mankind would perish together and man would return to the dust. Without the breath of life that comes from God, that comes from God, hear me, that comes from God, without the breath of life, I'll say it again, that comes from God, man is Dead. I smile to myself when I see these atheists get up the front And they pronounce that God does not exist And they pronounce it Powered by the breath of life From the God they deny I find it very interesting The breath of life comes from God The breath of life belongs to God Now look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7 Talking about death so our bodies return to the earth when you die your body returns to the earth and this is from the contemporary english version i like the way it says it and the life-giving breath returns to god now stay with me here this is very important i have seen two little babies come into the world now oh, no life exists before they begin to breathe but it's an amazing experience as a father To watch, I remember Hannah, she was having great struggles coming out and we almost lost Hannah and Danae. But I remember the doctor giving her a little shake and it was as if God bent down over my beautiful little daughter that he had gifted me with, that he had made. It was like God bent down and breathed as he did to Adam so long ago the breath of life into her lungs. And the same thing happened to Danae. It's a wonderful thing to watch life begin on planet earth. I am a pastor. I've also sat with some people who have worshiped with us in the past here in this church. I've sat by the bedside of people. I've held their head, hand as the breath of life that God gave them when they were born is taken from them and they pass into the sleep of death. The fact so far, does God murder? Well, God owns the breath of life. Get that fact into your head this morning. The breath of life is not yours. It is not mine. the breath of life that is inside me, that makes me live, that causes my heart to beat, that makes my lungs move in and out, that makes the blood move throughout my body. That breath of life, that supernatural gift that God gives us, is, is from him, is from above. It does not belong to me. It does not belong to you. It is God's. Not only does God own the breath of life, we do not. Number two, even own the breath of life in our own bodies. That's why it's wrong to commit suicide Because when you commit suicide I know people that fall into that Are in darkness that often they can't escape from So this is not a condemnation on people who commit suicide But when you commit suicide What do you do is you actually rob God of the breath of life that he gave to you We do not even own the breath of life in our own bodies It is the breath of life that causes us to live And number four, when we die, the lone of the breath of life goes back to God Now now get this This is very important To the question Does God murder When God Takes The breath of life away How can he be accused Of murder When he is only taking what is his Anyway When God took the breath of life away From the people of Sodom and Gomorrah He was taking away something that was His When God took away the breath of life from 185,000 Assyrian soldiers Camped outside the walls of Jerusalem about to attack Hezekiah He was taking back that which was his anyway When God sent a flood and all those people perished God was taking back the breath of life that belonged to him anyway The Israelites who served Baal, who God destroyed He was taking back the breath of life that belonged to him Hear me today The breath of life, I'll say it again, is not yours, it is not mine, it is not a God-given right, it is a loan, it is a gift from God, it is his, he is the source of life and it is he who decides who he will give it to and who he won't. One of the great things about being a Christian is you recognize that And you realize that when your time comes to die As God takes that breath of life back from you That you are in His will You are on His road And you are passing away at His time Amen The breath of life does not belong to human beings Now look at this Murder, someone who illegally and intentionally kills another person God does not Illegally take away anyone's life When he destroys people he is only taking back what already belongs to him The breath of life It cannot be murder It belongs to him He is not taking anything illegally It is his And let me tell you this this morning The real problem atheists have is not that God does at time destroy people Their problem is the sovereign will or the sovereign right of God in such matters. And guess what? It was Lucifer's problem too. He questioned the sovereign right of God to do such things. It was this question that led Lucifer into his rebellion. The breath of life, it is not ours. It belongs to God. And none other You know if I were to loan you a car I'm not telling you how long I'm going to loan it to you But if I were to loan it to you And in four weeks time I decide I want that car back Then it's my legal right to take that car back Because the car belongs to who? Who? Me And if I turn up to your place And you don't want me to have that car It makes no difference Because it is my car if I choose I can have it and I can walk into your yard and I can put my spare key and I can start the car and drive off. You could ring the police and say, Someone stolen my car and they say, Whose car? Oh well, it's been it's 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 been stolen by the owner. What would the police do? That's a ludicrous argument, isn't it? And it's the same sort of argument when we accuse God of being a murderer. It's not possible for God to be a murderer. The breath of life belongs to him I'm saying it again because it's so important And if he chooses to give it to you As he has to each one of you Sitting in the church this morning Praise God, amen, praise God But if he chooses to take it away You pray that you're in the will of God you would be okay anyway Because he's going to return it to you When he comes a second time The third charge though Has not gone away, has it? Even if God exists I would not want to serve this Homicidal, genocidal, mad deity, even if he owns a breath of life. I, I don't they'll say, I, I don't want to serve a God like that. Well, let's look at what the Bible actually has to say about a couple of the stories that we've looked at this morning. Let's have a look and see whether this accusation against God is fair. Noah and the flood, where perhaps thousands, maybe millions died. Look at the story very quickly, Genesis six fourteen. God says to Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Brothers and sisters, it is true the flood came. Perhaps thousands and millions died. But look at what the Bible says. There was a what? Come on, there was a what? There was an ark. God loves people. Despite these accusations against him, he loves people. There was an ark. In fact, Genesis chapter six verse three says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive man with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days or his time of probation before the flood one hundred in 20 years For 120 years Noah preached Noah begged Noah exhorted Noah implored the people to come into the ark For 120 years Until the day that God shut the door of that ark God through Noah was pleading for people to come inside and be saved It was the people who chose to stay outside And because they are outside it Of the ark the flood covered them They perished and yes God took back The breath of life But with the flood There was an escape And that only eight people chose to Take that escape is one of the One of the One of the terrible tragedies of history What about this one Serve me this is what they're Throwing at us serve me Serve me says God or you'll go to hell For eternity I've got to tell you if that was the truth if God did send people to hell for eternity I might join the atheist Serve me or you go to hell for eternity But you know it's not what the Bible says And I propose to you this morning that the Bible gives us a completely different picture of hell And I'm going to my next sermon is on hell The claims of eternal hell From most of Christianity It disappoints me enormously That the Christian church preaches an eternal hell Because it does give an avenue for these atheists to attack us In fact I believe it is this one doctrine And perhaps this doctrine alone That fuels atheism That fills the sails that sail That atheists boast more than any other wind What does the Bible have to say very quickly though About hell this morning Jesus says that whoever believes in me Should not perish Have eternal life It doesn't say whoever believes in me Should not go to eternal hell It says should not perish So I went to the dictionary again What does perish mean? It means to be destroyed What does destroyed mean? Again from the dictionary To damage something so bad That it does not exist John 3.15 That whoever believes in him In Jesus Should not perish Be destroyed So you are non-existent But have eternal life It doesn't say if you don't believe in God you're going to eternal hell It says you will perish, you will be non-existent There's a lot of difference between eternal hell and being non-existent for eternity A lot of difference For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son That whoever believes in him should not perish Should not be destroyed Should not be in a state of non-existence These are beautiful texts as God calls people Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but his long suffering toward us. You kind of get a sense of the love of God toward humanity. Not willing. God loves us. He loves the human race. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we could go on and on against this argument. Even if God exists, I will not serve this homicidal murder. It is unfair. What about the second coming? What about all the people that die at the second coming? Well, let's look at Second Peter 3, 9 again, at this time from the CEV. The Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises, as some people think he is. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone. How many? How many? Everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost right now. Right now Jesus pleads for us to follow him He implores us to surrender our heart He begs us to consider him He gives us reasons to go with him into eternity There is a way of escape at the second coming Just as there was at the flood And that way of escape is Jesus Loves the human race It's as simple as saying Jesus I'm yours Come into my heart He wants to save you. He's desperate to save you. He will save you. But if you turn your back on God and you walk out of this church and you say, I will never follow you, God, you are still not headed to an eternal hell. It's just not in the Bible. You are headed to an eternal non-existence. But you're not going to fry in hell and to shrivel up and cry out in pain for eternity. God is love. He has to end sin He has to end the pain He has to end the wars He has to end the sickness He has to end the disease He has to bring this war, this thing to an end But he does not want you to end with it But if you do not choose him You will end with it But you will not spend eternity Frying in hell Praise God And so this wind That blows the atheist boat Is not there It is an unfair accusation to God. Well, what about Sennacherib's 185,000 soldiers destroyed outside the walls of Jerusalem? Well, do you know that God, who did God send to the Assyrians? Bible students? Who did he send? Jonah. God sent Jonah. And you can go through the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah and other prophets and you'll see God sent warning after warning after warning. To the Assyrians and their king And when they marched on Jerusalem And surrounded the walls of Jerusalem It was the final act in their rebellion Against the great God of heaven And if he had not dealt with them If he had not withdrawn that gift They would have broken through those walls And destroyed every man, woman and child Those people in Jerusalem who belonged to him Were serving God And it's the same with Sodom and Gomorrah Who did God send to Sodom and Gomorrah Go back Christians and read your Bible. Abraham saved Sodom, correct? There's a warning. Abraham shared God with the Sodomites. Even Lot. For all his weaknesses Who went down into the town of Sodom While still sharing God With those wicked people They had their warnings And they chose to go down the path And God said Well if that's the way you are I choose to withdraw the gift of life And that is his sovereign right Whether we like it or not Whether we want to accept it or not It is his sovereign right Only God gives life And only God has the right To take it away And there are examples in the Bible where God calls peoples and nations into account for their wicked actions. Sometimes God withdraws the gift of life and they are destroyed. That's a fact. However, he is neither a murderer or homicidal. God is only exercising his sovereign right as king and ruler of the universe. In every instance where God executed his divine judgment... In every single incident in the Bible where God executes his divine judgment, it is always preceded by a time of grace and calling and so finally, this last accusation, as we come to an end, and our time is up, evolution is a much more powerful position than the theory of creation i 'm not a scientist and i 'm not going to sit here i 'm not going to stand here and pretend I am and i 'm not going to baffle you with the science because frankly. I can't do it with any authority With any credibility But I can say that evolution Where life comes from nothing Versus creation Where life comes from God I know for me what makes sense Every time I see a mother With a newborn child I see the handiwork Of God my creator Every time I see A beautiful world I see and the world is still beautiful For all its pain I see the handiwork of God. Every time I see the yellow moon rising in the night sky, I see the handiwork of God. When I see a Siberian tiger on National Geographic padding across the snows of the Arctic, I see the handiwork of God. Every time I see a breaching walker, an orca, one of these beautiful killer whales, breaching out of the water in joy of life, I see the handiwork of God. And when I open my Bible. And study about Jesus Christ Who came down here in human flesh Who is God Who is God in human flesh I see the gentle The deep reaching love Of God to mankind You know when you open your Bible and you read John 18, John 19, John 20 We go to Matthew 26, 27 And you read the story of Jesus and the crucifixion. Of the love of Christ. Who would rather die and die for eternity than see you perish. Every accusation against God, against God, is thrown out the door. Because in Jesus we have the ultimate proof that God is love. That God loves mankind. God is battling with a very evil force in Satan. And he is doing his divine Best. And you can't do any better than that. To get the human race through the war that we got ourselves into. He wants to save. He's desperate to save. He sent Jesus, who is God. One of the Godhead. He sent Jesus to show his immense love for the human race. He loves, you cannot escape that When you meet God and he comes into your heart One of the things that overwhelms you more than anything else Immediately is the love of God for you, for me I am overcome by the patience and the love of God for me It awes me I, I, I could not go back To where I was Because the love of God This gentle love The forgiveness The patience of God With this sinner It just keeps drawing me on And like a moth to a lantern Is my attraction Should be your attraction to God And the love that he offers It's a beautiful thing And I've come to a point in my life And I pray that you've come to a point in yours Where I can look at Jesus I can look at Jesus on the cross I can look at my God and I can get on my knees And I can thank him for the breath of life that he gives me Every single day And I can say, God, when you choose to take it away That's okay with me The reason I go to New Guinea And the places I go, which are very dangerous And I often wonder whether I'm going to come back I've told too many people this But I write letters to my wife And my daughters, you might think that's a bit dramatic But you never know whether you're coming back But I believe that my life, I believe your life is in God's hands When he chooses to take the breath of life away from me Fine, I trust him, I know he loves me I've experienced it for myself So in conclusion, let me give you a little tip If you're sitting in this church this morning And you're not sure if God lives If you're not sure That God is alive And exists Then here's the tip And I've found this to be real in my life The more time you spend with God In prayer And Bible study The more of a reality He will become to you Sometimes even we as Christians Question the existence of God We need to be spending more and more time in His presence. And as we spend time in His presence, His reality becomes a fact to us. And you know what else? We begin to understand Him better. You know what? These attacks on God by the atheists, God bless every one of them, I pray for them, by the Rational Response Squad. They don't make any inroads with me And do you know why Because like you I have experienced God I have experienced his love I have experienced his patience I have experienced his forgiveness And like you are I am I have Responded to that love And I want to say finally this morning That I I And this is from my heart I affirm God the Father I affirm The existence of Jesus His Son And I affirm With everything I have The personhood of the third person Of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit I affirm them And I thank God That He chose to come down and love me To love us And to save us Let's pray Jesus We have gone into difficult areas today I pray God that no one will leave this church With questions in their minds As to your justice and your fairness And especially Lord to your love Sometimes these people who Throw these accusations at you They shake us too Lord give us wisdom Drive us into your word Keep calling us Lord As reticent as we are into a prayer life with you And as we step into your presence God Give each of us an unshakable faith in the reality of you Thank you for blessing us with you May we stand for you until you come again